On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today on the Indo-Daily, Russian roulette, Putin's dangerous game with Europe's gas supply. As we enter into week six of the war on Ukraine, things have taken an even more sinister turn as details now emerge of shocking attacks on civilians in the streets of Buka near Kiev. And the distressing details include reports of shallow graves and other horrendous atrocities. Good evening. Horrific scenes in Butcher today with the town's mayor saying they've discovered at least two mass graves as Russian troops lift areas around the capital, Kiev. And we should warn you that these are disturbing images. But as of now, I would like to say a couple of points. First, um, what we saw in Butcher makes one fact clear. Russia is worse than ISIS. All of this now has Europe's leaders calling for a full embargo on Russian oil, gas and coal in the hope that even more stringent and stricter sanctions can deter these awful acts. Now, these war crimes definitely overshadow what Russian President Vladimir Putin threatened to do last week where Europe's gas supplies are concerned and that was telling Europe's so-called unfriendly countries that they will have to pay in rubles for their gas or else have their supplies cut off. Now, just to put this into context, Germany gets 40% of its gas from Russia and the government there has triggered an emergency plan to manage reserves if necessary. Germany is warning of possible natural gas rationing amid its uh, dispute with Russia. The Kremlin has demanded that so-called unfriendly countries pay in rubles for gas. That's stoking fears of an energy crunch in Europe. But what impact could this have here in Ireland? I'm Siobhan McGuire and today on the Indo-Daily we're looking at how reliant we are on Russian gas. And joining me to talk about this are Jason Corcoran, freelance journalist and Russian energy analyst and Edgar Morgan Roth, Professor of Economics at Dublin City University. Edgar and Jason, thank you so much for joining me. And I know we're going to talk about the gas supplies and sanctions and all that sort of thing, but we have to really address um, what we saw over the weekend, these shocking images of civilian bodies in the streets of Buka near Kiev. I mean, these are very, very serious war crimes we are now hearing about. Um, Can you talk to me a little bit about this, Edgar? 
So I've been watching what's happening very closely. And of course, we've we've also seen what Russian troops have done in in previous wars. And under Putin, there have been rather a few wars. So uh, this is not new. And it's probably by design. if you if you cast your mind back uh, a few months, uh, Belarus was trying to use uh, refugees uh, as as a sort of a a tool against Europe by mm. by sending them across uh, the border into Europe. And what is happening now is that Russia is is creating so much fear in the population in Ukraine, hoping that lots of of the people will come come west and then cause us in the West, problems in, in having to house people and so on. And of course, they're also hoping that they, the, the fear will stop the fighting, which it, it certainly won't do because they, they actually have created more of a reason for Ukraine to fight, uh, you know, to protect people's lives. Mm. But Jason, I mean, we're having clear indications that Russian forces have committed war crimes. Uh, I mean, there's satellite images to the effect of of mass graves. I mean, this is a very new and very serious and terrible twist in all of this. Yeah, it's it's genocide, uh, you know, almost on the realms of Srebrenica and Darfur. I think we have to try to step back a little bit, though, and try to assess what's happened. It does appear to be uh, genocide, and there has been lots of reports, not just in Bukha, but in other places of rape and summary executions. Um, there's journalists on the ground there who are trying to corroborate some of these reports coming from the Ukrainian Defence Ministry, who suggested that 280 people were, were killed, uh, women and children amongst them. Uh, I've got colleagues on the ground who were literally counting the body bags. They're not quite up to that level yet, but they, they have seen evidence of this. And in light of the information that's that's feeding out to the rest of the world about these war crimes, we're having uh, the likes of Macron and Johnston uh, saying, you know, well, it's time to up our sanctions again. Our own Minister Eamon Ryan was saying the same yesterday morning on, on Irish radio. We don't have the uh, military means, or nor does NATO or any other government is willing to go in and stop that. But I think sanctions in this case can and will put an end to this war because I think, and that's why our government supports the strictest, strongest, firmest form and the most immediate form of sanctions. But are sanctions really going to do anything uh, to Russia at all? Do they do they hurt them at all, Edgar? And perhaps you might put all of this into perspective for me uh, in terms of when it comes to Europe buying Russian gas. Yes, uh, so uh, there, there are two dimensions here. Firstly, uh, What's the right strategy um, uh, to stop the war? And it, it has to be stopped. These killings have to be stopped. Uh, that's, that's I think, our responsibility. Um, doing what Europe and, and the West has done by going in with fairly uh, stiff sanctions, but certainly not the full sanctions that are possible, um, I think was a mistake, uh, and I, I said so at the very, very start. Uh, I think we should have gone in with everything we have to start with, and then if Russia stops aggression, ease those sanctions rather than the other way around. Uh, Germany is still sending something like 700 million uh, uh, euros uh, uh, to to uh, uh, to to um, Russia uh, for gas. Um, it, it's it's really hard to believe that that's still going on. And 
uh, it is also hard to believe that the analyses that have been conducted uh, uh, on the effect of stopping uh, taking in the gas in Germany uh, have been dismissed by the German Chancellor. Uh, so there, there are at this stage quite a few uh, uh, experts who have tried to assess what the effect on the economy would be. And, and the Chancellor has dismissed that on a, in a TV interview uh, in favor of uh, advice from lobbyists. Mm. Uh, it's, it's quite remarkable. Um, so what's happening now? We're still paying uh, uh, billions in the you know over the year uh, to to Russia for gas, and that will help Russia sustain itself. Uh, it's it's uh, you know they don't need the money to build tanks, but they need the money to build to buy components, and they can buy them. Uh, internationally, uh, they don't have to buy them in the EU or, or America, uh, and they will get their hands on what they need. Uh, uh, that will ultimately affect the the Russian population, uh, you know, the, the ordinary people in Russia. But it's unlikely to have an effect on the war. Jason, feel free to jump in uh, at any time. Mm -hmm. um, by the mm -hmm. way, but I do want to. Uh, what what I we noticed last week with these threats about you know needing uh, gas to be paid for in rubles, it's a little bit like uh, Putin's playing a game of chicken with with Europe. But that deadline has passed. We're in a new week now, and you know that that rubles wish hasn't come to pass. So, I mean, what's your own uh, vision of of how this will play out. Uh, Shimon, I think it's it's brinkmanship again. You know, the, the Kremlin is is the masters of brinkmanship, uh, threatening to do something and then not doing it and then waiting and waiting on sidelines and then eventually pouncing. So we're sort of in a waiting game. But, you know, I, I still think that, you know, there's two things that you can almost say about the Kremlin and their sort of macroeconomic policy. They want to be a reliable supplier of energy. They always have. They, they've never, even at the height of the Cold War, Moscow never turned off the, the gas taps to Europe. And, and the second thing, they've always paid their sovereign debt, their foreign sovereign debt. Russia has always paid. The, the Soviet Union defaulted in 98, and that was horrific, and that was before Putin came in. So they need FX, they need foreign exchange to pay for its foreign debt. And half of their $650 billion worth of FX, of course, is frozen. And, and even some of the, the other half is, is very illiquid. So I, I think they need, they need euros and they will carry on. I, I ultimately think they'll carry on supplying gas and oil as well to, to, the, to the European Union. And Edgar, I mean, if it's a thing, let's say the gas is shut off tomorrow um, in relation to supplying Europe from, from Russia. What do we do? Are there other options? Well, for starters, uh, there are actually gas reserves. Um, so uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is Russia is by no means the only supplier of gas to the EU currently. Uh, so in Germany, it makes something like 50% of, of gas supplies, but the other 50% are coming from, from Norway, uh, the UK, and so on. So it doesn't mean that there is no gas but obviously, there there would be a shortage in time as the stocks, the the the, the reserves run out. Uh, they the uh, what what one knows about reserves, and these are strategic, so you, you don't ever talk too much about what's actually there. Uh, what one knows uh, is that that Germany actually has enough supplies to get by uh, for the rest of of the cold season. Uh, um, after that, uh, what happens is if if 
uh, if one has to ration, uh, the certain industries uh, uh, will be uh, shut out for periods, uh, and the, the ordinary uh, householder is actually the last to see the effect. Obviously, if if there is um, if if there is no Russian gas taken in, uh, either because Russia doesn't send it, uh, which is probably less likely, so they want the money, uh, uh, or because we decide not to take it. Uh, then clearly the demand for gas from elsewhere increases. And so that has going to have a price effect. And that's, that's again, something that householders would feel, but so would industry as well. It's interesting that you mentioned about the household being affected um, because, we're, you know, we're heading into months of discontent now where our uh, energy prices, our energy stocks, our energy supplies are concerned. Now, I remember the 80s in Ireland, Edgar, and it was pretty grim. You know, people, uh, we had all the, this kind of um, panic at the pumps, if you like. Are we entering back into another state like that? I, I don't think it's going to get anything like that. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunately old enough to remember the first oil price crisis and, and, and the second one, uh, you know, going back to the 70s. In Germany, at least, they were, on a Sunday, you weren't allowed to drive a car. Um, uh, so there were no cars. And in fact, what, what happened is people were allowed to cycle on the motorways. Um, you know, there was a, a car-free wow. Sunday. I don't think it's going to be that bad because uh, uh, fuel for cars, for example, is, is oil. And, and Russia is not the major player there. Saudi Arabia and, and others are. And indeed, uh, uh, OPEC, uh, uh, you know, the Organization for Oil Producing Countries, could actually produce more and could could uh, could kind of help out uh, in this situation. Uh, they reduced their production during the the uh, pandemic. Uh, they could increase their pand- production. An Iran deal uh, about uh, Iran's nuclear uh, program would also bring them back into production, and 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 uh, so there would be additional oil there. Uh, there have been some positive noises with regard to Venezuela, so there there is there are alternative oil uh, um, uh, resources that that certainly could could be put to use relatively quickly. Gas is a little bit more difficult because it's much more easy to uh, supply gas via pipeline as opposed to uh, liquefied natural gas, LNG, uh, where you need uh, terminals, where you need ships and so on. So so on the gas side, I think there could be a squeeze. On the oil side, I don't think so much. And again, uh, coal, There, Russia supplies some coal. There are alternative uh, uh, resources uh, in, in around the world that, that could be uh, used. And, and so... Gas is the one that's a big one, really. Yeah. And I suppose, Jason, I don't know what your um, memories are of, of previous um, oil crises or fuel crises, gas crises in Ireland. Um, I guess they, they, the only saving grace at the moment for um, the, the con- Irish consumer is that we're, we're heading into kind of warmer months. So our, our gas usage would be a, a little lower than in previous months. But there's still a bit of panic there about what's coming down the line, isn't there? 
Yeah, um, I, I think just to, to, to get, go back on Russian oil, uh, Russia is, is the second biggest oil supplier in the world. And they have worked in lockstep with Saudi Arabia in uh, an organization called OPEC Plus to try to regulate the oil market. So I, I think you, even at the, you know, sort of on the oil level, you might, we might see a squeeze. As for the gas, Russia uh, supplied 155 billion cubic meters of gas to Europe last year. So that is a third of our gas supplies. Um, As far as I know, Biden has said the US will step in and supply 15 billion uh, cubic meters of gas. That is a tenth, I think, if I do my math, (laughs) roughly, of what we need. And I know the EU is talking, of course, to to Norway, but Norway can't produce anymore. They're they're maxed out. And then you can get LNG from Qatar or maybe from uh, uh, from Algeria. And there's been discussion with Australia to supply LNG. But this logistically is, is, is is a real, you know, headache to bring LNG from Australia uh, to Europe. And then you've got like Germany doesn't even have an LNG terminal. They're like they're like Ireland, so we don't have one. So you've got to like land this LNG in in, in Belgium and then transport it, uh, you know, sort of uh, by river or I don't or whatever by road. I guess it would go into pipelines and and the European yeah. network, but uh, I, I think that you know the point you make, I think, is quite right. The 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 getting LNG across is logistically so much more difficult and and mm-hmm. like you say what what US produces isn't going to be able to plug the gap uh, uh Algeria has said that it will be able to increase production but it would probably take a year or two so that doesn't help us right now um now I as I say I think we don't need help right now but if for next winter I think is is where the crunch comes uh, and this is one of the reasons why this war uh, you know ideally should should stop as quickly as possible, and certainly before next winter, uh, because if 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 we have to uh, stop the the gas coming, and I I'm in favor of doing that right now, um, because uh, Russia needs the money. Uh, it, it is it is really the best weapon we have without uh, uh, sending or using lethal weapons. Um, mm. th- you know, th- th- then we need to see to it that we are in a good position next winter, and that that is the, the real challenge. Um, and and that's possibly going to be a bit uh, impossible to 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 plug that gap internally. Mm. And Edgar, can you can I just ask have 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 we, are we seeing a slowdown in in German manufacturing because of the cost of wholesale prices? Are are, are factories beginning to slow down a bit in back home? Uh, I I I can't say that there, I've seen any evidence of this, but we've had other issues related to this war that have already kicked in. So. Um, you know, G- Germany has actually invested quite a lot in Russia, and and so some of the investments are kind of stranded assets now. But also, Ukraine has been supplying all sorts of inputs into key industries in Germany. Uh, at one point, uh, Porsche uh, recently stopped production uh, of some of its vehicles because wiring looms were not available because they were coming from from Ukraine. Uh, so, so some uh, some effects are seen already. Um, the, 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 what we're hearing at the moment is is that uh, the chemical industry, for example, is is uh, uh, has been making a lot of noises about how they're going to be affected. Uh, as other economists have pointed out, uh, they've had it rather good. They have 
uh, taken a risk of uh, uh, of using a supply from a country that uh, turns out to have you know where, where, where the supply potentially isn't going to be certain uh, and and that that cost uh, of of uh, sort of of of, of not ensuring uh, safe supplies is now being pushed back on on German households, but also on the Ukrainians. In the, in the sense that that, that uh, Scholz, uh, the, the ch- Chancellor, is is very uh, much against stopping oil oil and gas imports. Jason, what's your own feeling about all of this, the sanctions and everything? I mean, what is the likelihood of us seeing, uh, say, even a rationing of of power in our homes and across the country? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think what well, and the suggestion is that you know the the, the significant uh, increase in the cost of wholesale prices could uh, tip you know Germany and and Ireland and other economies into recession, um, you know, but but it won't happen overnight. It, it could be within the next twelve months, as as Edgar was was alluding to. But I think we still have we have to start sort of <clears throat> thinking about our own energy needs. And I, I have a solar panel which provides some sort of. Uh, water for her uh, showers in the morning and uh, have um, um, uh, a hybrid car. So maybe I should go fully electric. Uh, but I, I don't think we should go down the road of starting to uh, c- cut the bog, cut the bog up again for, to heat our, uh, our homesteads. Yeah. And also, you know, it, it, there's all these these great ideas about us, you know, switching to electric cars and people don't have, have two pennies to rub together at the moment in terms of disposable income. And I think the whole price of electric cars is for another podcast. But I think, um, Edgar, finally, I'm, I might just come back to you as we started in relation to the sanctions. So these ongoing um, threats to Russia about more and more sanctions they're not really going to have that much of an effect, are they? Well, sanctions are aimed at making, you know, increasing the costs to Russia. And it, it is very clear that that these costs are not nearly high enough, otherwise we would see effects. And there aren't really any conflicts like this where sanctions have had a relatively quick effect. In fact, often we we don't see effects even after years of sanctions. So I'm skeptical about the effectiveness of this. I think this is more a political, uh, has a more political dimension. Um, You know, the most effective thing really is giving uh, Ukraine the weapons to fight against the Russian invaders. And and that is probably the, the only way we're going to stop this war by beating Russia in the field, as as Ukrainians have managed to do, they've inflicted a, a, a defeat in the Battle of Kiev. Uh, they're going to have to do more of this. Uh, more people are going to die. Uh, it's not it's not a good situation. My thanks to Jason Corcoran, freelance journalist and Russian energy analyst, and Edgar Morgan Roth, professor of economics at Dublin City University. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Gareth Mulhall, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Clips from independent.ie, RTE, Bloomberg, CNBC and Euronews. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.